This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And this is Jacob Ross with Longley Fertilia, and you are listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast, which is part of the Herpeticulture Network. Enjoy. Ready or not. Okay, real. Hello, everyone. Uh, before we jump into this episode with Nate from Crocast, uh, we wanted to let Doc Wyman hop on. Uh, he had a, sort of a quick announcement sort of deal. Um, so we figured we'd go ahead and let him do his thing and then we'll jump into things. So, Doc, the floor is yours. Right. Appreciate it, guys. Um, so I'm Kind of hitting the herb community at large. You'll probably hear me, see me on other podcasts the rest of this week too. Um, but I'm reaching out for help right now. My wife is a type 1 diabetic. And after living a life of that disease, the side effects is that it takes out your kidneys. And she's hit the point now where she's at the beginning stages of kidney failure. Um so what that means for her is that we need to look at kidney transplant. And that's somewhat of a daunting process because the way things stand with that is that there are currently like 90,000 plus people who are on the transplant waiting list for oh, a kidney. Wow. Um, and the wait list is designed for kidneys to come from deceased people and Part of this weird disconnect that people think with that is, you know, well, people die all the time, so kidneys should be available all the time. But for a kidney to be considered viable from a deceased donor, it has to be somebody who, you know, basically died in a very specific way, which is kind of the, you know, they went gently while they were hooked up to life support machinery and were able to be harvested. It's not just, you know guy on a motorcycle crashed and they were able to take his kidneys and things like that. So kidney supplies are actually really kind of limited um, such that that waiting list is basically four to eight years long oh my for people who get on it. And the sad part of that is that about a third, a third of the people who are on that list end up coming off the list because they either pass away or they end up rendered medically ineligible to get a kidney while they're waiting. Um, so my goal is to try and sort of short circuit that by finding a living kidney donor for my wife, which is a whole different process. Um, and that's why I'm reaching out to kind of the herp community at large, because the herp community has been really good about, you know, rallying during you know, fires and disasters and, you know, things like going on with Ryan and I kind of hate jumping on here. <laughs> Well, we've got the stuff going on for Ryan, but at the same time, my situation's a little different. So my ask is more just kind of asking people for time and maybe a willingness to willingness to be a little bit selfless. Um, the thing with living kidney donors is patients that can recruit living donors typically find a match within a year to 18 months. Um, the lifespan of a living kidney in a uh, transplant patient is 20 to 40 years, which means that most people who receive a living kidney never end up back on the donor list. People who get a deceased kidney 
those kidneys are 10 to 15 year lifespan. So they often end up back on the waiting list at some point. Um, the other really nice thing about the living kidney donation program is that there are a lot of programs um, like the national kidney registry where they have uh, protections and things built in to help donors. Um, so that comes with things like the kidney for life program, where if you are a living donor and at any point and you donate a kidney at any point in time, if you end up needing a kidney donation, you automatically get moved to the top of the list. Um, they offer financial compensations to help assist with travel, um, time away from work, medical costs. Basically, you end up getting like $10,000 worth of free medical testing if you go through the whole process. Um, you can find out all kinds of great and wonderful things about yourself that you didn't even know. Like right now, I am have the heart of a 25-year-old and I don't really have to worry too much about having a heart attack, which is good to know. <laughs> um, it's minimal downtime to donors, only like one or two days in the hospital. And there's no real major impact to your life um, the work that your two kidneys do is actually about four times the work that your body needs. So even being down to one kidney, you still have about two times the capacity that you really need. Um, there are people who have donated kidneys that go on to run marathons, to hike Kilimanjaro, to do all the things that they would have normally done in life. Um, and the Living Kidney Donor Program also has a lot more options because rather than having to be a perfect match, they can enroll you in what's known as the Parrot Exchange Program, which is a system where if you're not a match for your potential donor, um, they can match you to somebody else and then go through kind of a chain of, well, they match you to somebody whose donor didn't match them, who matches to somebody else, who matches to somebody else, and you can create a whole big chain that loops back around. Um, and even if you never actually create a chain that closes back with your recipient, what happens is once you donate a kidney, your recipient essentially gets a voucher so that the next kidney that does match them, that immediately goes to them. Um, so there's, there's just a lot there that can really help. And I'm reaching out to people in the community. If this is something that they feel like they might be interested in doing, I just, even if I can only get one or two extra people that would ante in on this, that stacks the deck in my wife's favor a little bit more. Um, and I know it's a really big thing to ask people, hey, <laughs> let me take a part of your body away from you. But like I said, the, the Herp community has been good at rallying around and things like this. So if it's something that you're interested in, um, if it's something that you want to learn more about. Like I said, I'm going through the process right now. I'm happy to answer questions. Um, so if you could reach out to me, if you'd be willing or want to learn more, you can hit me up on Facebook, real easy to find there. Um, Instagram, you can message me there. I'm at snakes underscore N underscore bakes. Uh, you can email me a splendii, A-S-P-L-U-N-D-I-I -I at Gmail. Um, you know, you can hit Justin, Jake, Phil, you know, they can put you in touch with me too. It's, Absolutely. It's real easy to get me. Um, I'm more than happy to talk your ear off with it <laughs> more than just, you know, the little bit that the guys have been more than generous to allow me on here. Um, and the worst case scenario, 
in something like this, you end up being a perfect match and you just changed my wife's life and my life as well by consequence. And the best case scenario, you're not a match for her, but you go into the paired exchange program and maybe through a donation chain, you end up changing the lives of two or four or even a dozen people. So that's all I have to say. And again, I appreciate you guys letting me come on and throw the pitch. Yeah, man. Yeah. So is this, you know, just because I don't really know much about the process, is this like somebody like anybody from any state could do this? Like they would have to travel to you to find out if they are a match or, you know, what kind of, what would that entail? Anybody can uh, do it. Um, so I've got, I've got a whole document that I can send people that walks them through the process. Um, but we are specifically working with a transplant center that's associated with the National Kidney Registry. So if you just Google National Kidney Registry, you can find out where there's a center near you. If you're not in the Virginia, Maryland area, there are lots of centers that could, you know, do the testing for you. You'd still want to register yourself up through um the NKR website and cite my wife as being, you know, your donor or your paired donor, depending on the process that you wanted to go through. And, you know, like if you happen to be in California or in Texas or in Montana or wherever, you know, Florida, they would probably send you to a local center there to get tested um, for if you do end up being a match to do the transplant, they would probably want you up here because it's obviously easier to you know, take a kidney and then walk it next yeah. door and yeah. swap it over. Right. Um, but if it's not a situation where they can do that, they have ways where they can do the operation more close to you, you know, slap it on an express plane, get it up here in two hours and then get it into her that way. Right. Yeah. I didn't know if somebody like would have to come there to get like actually tested or if they could do that remotely, at least just to find out if they would be a match. You know? Most of the testing can be done remotely. Um, okay. My wife's got a friend. She's in Florida and she's taking care of all the testing down there in Florida. Gotcha. Hmm. Oh, that's great. Um, if you do just want to find a little bit about it without talking to me, like I said, I understand that it's a big thing. You might not want to, you know jump to me and say, Hey, I'll do it and get my hopes up and then panic and back out. Once you find more about it, I understand that too. Um, there's a post on my Facebook page, uh, that, you know, it's shared from my wife's cross posting there that explains some of the links you can go to, to find out about it too. You can just look into it that way. And then if you, you know, get most of your questions answered there and you're still willing to go forward, then you can reach out to me that way too, without, you know, having to jump right in. Um, another thing I want to add with the living donor process, there's zero obligation. You know, if you are going through the process and at any point in time, you decide that you're not comfortable with it and you want to back out, they let you back out and there's no punitive actions. You know, obviously I understand that it's a big thing. My wife understands that it's a big thing. If you get, you know, literally up to the door and then freak out and can't do it, we understand it's, it's a big ask and we get that. <laughs> but if, yeah. like I said, if I can stack the deck just a little bit more in her favor, try and get more than just, you know, me and her friend down in Florida in there to try and make something happen, it would be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. 
I'd say take Jake's, but his are so riddled with stones. I don't know if you want it. Yeah, Jake would probably be eliminated for being riddled with stones. <laughs> yeah. Why you gotta come at me like that, man? Um, <laughs> we're all thinking it. I'm just saying it. Is what? Wait, is that actually something that would like cancel probably out like kidney it, stones? It it depends. Um, if if you have a history of constant and perpetual stones, it might scrub you up. But I don't know entirely. Um, I've never had a stone, so when they asked me if I'd ever had a kidney stone, I said no, and then I moved on in the question year. So there may have been more to that, like you know, do you have chronic systemic stones? Are you dealing with them all the time, or was it a one time thing? You know, they they may have further questions in there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, if you have diabetes, you're probably not going to be yeah. uh, able to do it. That's, you know, that's now why you're going to come at me like that. <laughs> well, actually, I wasn't <laughs> coming at you, but <laughs> her you sister's diabetic, which is why her sister can't, you know, donate uh, for gotcha. all, basically everybody in her family has some kind of medical mm -hmm. exclusion. So is that even like type two? Even type two. Um, Type 2 is a little bit less of a concern, yeah. but type 2, if it becomes sustained and uncontrolled, then that can also result in damage to your kidneys. So they would rather that type 2 diabetics keep both of their kidneys to make sure that they stay healthy through the rest of their life. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, well... Definitely happy to get the word out there, man. Um, yeah, man. Like That's... I said, if, if anybody has any questions or needs to be put in contact, hit me or Jake or anybody Absolutely. from THN up, um, and we'll make it happen. Yeah. I appreciate it, gentlemen. Yeah, man. We definitely wish you the best through this endeavor, and I think we can speak, you know, I can speak for all of us when we say, you know, you're, you're, you and your family are in our thoughts every day through this hardship and you know we we wish nothing but the best for you and your family you know we love you we love what all of you guys have done what you have done for the community and you know through that we love your family too so just you're in our thoughts every day i haven't stopped thinking about this since you messaged us the other day you know it just breaks my heart for me and you and your family so yeah it's it's a bit of a heavy thing and you know i i hesitated a bit in reaching out but then at the no, same dude. time i knew that even if I reached out and you guys said, whoa, this is a little bit hard to, you know, drop on people, you would still understand why I did it and not hold anything yeah. against me. <laughs> no, never. No, never. No, man. I put, and I'm glad. I'm I glad you reached same out thing to in us, your position. You know? Absolutely. You know, and anybody should, you know, and if that's not, if stuff like this isn't what this community is partially for, then, you know, I don't know. I don't know what is you know and i love the fact that so many other podcasts have welcomed you on their show to say the same thing and you know just shows that we're, we're more than just a hobby you know we're we're all in this together we're all family and you know we want to do whatever we can for everybody in it yep so. <sighs> well we'll do an update episode here soon with Absolutely. you in, in terms of just regular herp stuff and make that happen we're due for a another Doc oh, yeah. Power Hour. So. Oh, yeah. Sounds sure. good. <laughs> All righty. All right. Well, I will let you get back with Nate and thank him as well for letting me steal a little bit of his time. Of course. <laughs> Definitely will. Thank you. You gentlemen Thanks, have Sarah. a good night. Yes, Bye. sir. Bye. I'm assuming Nate will pop back in here. 
I don't. I, th- I didn't know if he was in like the waiting room or something. No. No. What's What's new, buddy? You got some stuff locking up. I don't know. I'm looking at these carpets right now. I was just peeking my head up to see if I can see any action. They're together, which is promising. And so we'll see what happens. Um, I'm getting worried that I'm losing my my window for pairing colubrids, though, or for cooling colubrids, I should say. But we're gonna get some cold weather next week, so I think they're gonna go in the garage. Um, get that sorted out. I hate oh, our man weather. keep them together weather. though, because it's rain. It's supposed to rain all night tonight. So. Oh really? Yeah, keep them together, dude. Oh yeah, no, Don't the carpets are up. definitely the carpets are definitely staying together. I'm more worried about like getting a window for cooling colubrids. So I really only need a month, but like, I don't know. I'm worried about if I put them in the garage now, I think it's going to get too cold too quick. And then I don't know. I have to That's why I kind of put my stuff in the closet things. for a week or two. And then yeah. normally I would move them into the garage. I haven't done that. They're still in the closet. So they're just going to stay there until Valentine's day and uh, get warmed up. So I don't have the, I don't have that luxury. I don't have anywhere colder to put them. You know, kind of in between. Now we got a there he is. here. Yeah, sorry about that. Having technical problems. Like Streamyard's pretty good about that a lot of the time. So <laughs> no, more hardware on my end. No, basically, uh, just got done traveling for the better part of twelve hours, and for some reason, my phone charger won't work. So my phone just keeps dying on me. So I had to steal my brother's. There you go. That's what are brothers for? Abuse. <clears throat> Abuse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Being the youngest, I can uh, definitely uh, say that's true. I don't know. I think I was the the abuser with my, you know, tormenting my sister. She's older. Yeah, you didn't have a brother. Yeah. That's, that's different. Well, here we are. This is episode 181 of the Herpeticulture Podcast, which is brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram, go on their website, shop around, see if there's anything you like. Use the code THN at checkout. Get a little bit shaved off the top. Save a little bit of money. Get you a nice, nice, nice cage. The more cages I use from everyone else, the more I like black box. Dude, I'm telling you, I got a whole, I got basically like half a wall of just black box right here to my right. And it's just the great wall. It's beautiful, man. Like it really is. So I have I, I upgraded that that male rhino and I put him into the old sharp horn cube that I have and I couldn't didn't have nearly enough ventilation and so I this morning I just took a drill and like the biggest drill bit I had and just put holes all around it like just yeah. in the front just to help sort of ventilate it more because everything was getting super super muggy in there and condensation on the glass pretty much constantly and all on the walls so I was like this is bad so. I'm going to take the drill again and do some of the other sides, but just in the front, I just freaking put probably 30 plus holes in the, just around the door. And that seemed to definitely help because I came home from work and there wasn't any of that condensation going on. So oh, yeah. no, I'm going to add some more, but man, I was like, if this, if this was a black box, I wouldn't have this problem. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I love my black box cage. My rat snake, I'm my big rat snake. Dude. He's freaking huge. And, uh, he, he's loving life and his XA3 Bio 24. Mm-hmm. And then I got this. And I'll show the I'll show the show the wall real quick. Just an entire wall that. of 
black box. Empty tubs. You got to fill them up. Yeah, all those up top are empty. You know, I'm trying to hold out for baby season before I move some stuff, but I got things in quarantine that are going to get moved here soon. And hopefully, babies will fill up a lot of that. Um, but yeah, so right here next to me, I have the XR20 and the XR16 stacked on top of each other, which is like, that's my pride and joy. I love the stack. The tower. Yes. And then I have a slick six slot V70 and then a three slot stacked on top of that. So, and then along with the cage. Decked out. So, we're the rocking and rolling. Yeah, these things are amazing. They house a lot of snakes. I've never housed this many snakes in this, like of a space it's great it's, it's the best getting from black box was the best decision i ever made that's right so. and it can be the best decision you ever make if you go to blackboxcages.com right. and check it out that's and right. then you like hot sauce you like snakes yep. you like helping somebody who helps snakes who also sells hot sauce then you need to go to steve snakesuary and check out his venom hot sauces because they that's are right. delicious you're helping him out do his thing rehabilitation relocation um he does some some rescues, so he's taking in some stuff, um, gets everything sort of back on the up and up health wise, and then you know finds finds new homes for it, or he holds onto it and uses it for some of the educational stuff he does. So, SteveSnakesury.com, check him out and yeah, grab you cool. a bottle, grab the whole set. You won't regret all. it. You won't if you like hot sauce. Now, if you don't like hot sauce, then I mean, you know, probably they're still cool. Yeah, they're still cool. It makes a great set, you know, just display. They all have cool little pictures on them with snakes mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, stuff, mm -hmm. you know. They're they're great. But and, and if you like hot sauce, then I mean it's a win win. Cottonmouth so, sauce. Cottonmouth sauce, man. That's, all you on, That's what you some, really need. Throw it on some tacos, throw it on some chips, throw it on some Ooh. chicken. It's all Make, put in some salsa. It's good. It's good. It's great, right. man. You don't even need salsa. I guess, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. great. Uh, real quick update. So the raffle for Slate Reed, who is Ryan Reed's son, who is recently diagnosed with the uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Um, getting everything together for that right now. Have some really cool stuff lined up. Got some killer animals. I have a copy of the more complete carpet python and uh, some original art from some folks. Just a whole bunch of stuff. A nice trio of thorn scrubs from Bratz. Uh, and that's just a little bit of it. There's a good bit of stuff though. I'm in the process yeah. of, of getting everything sort of together and packaged so that when the time comes, I can put it on the website and it go live. Um, I've been trying to get ahead of that as best as I can so that when the time comes, it's just ready to go. So check that out. That'll be on the website. Um, you know, any money that comes in from that is 100% going to, slate yeah. and the reads 100 um, percent that is very much disclosed it's uh it'll be good yeah so. and just a just a little little tidbit on the thorn scrubs because smitty like stock so much shit about them uh mine are actually very calm well i won't say calm they're not bitey okay <laughs> they're not mean uh they're very handleable animals they all eat frozen thought and they all three are proven breeders. So, 
just little tidbits and since many likes to talk so much smack. I don't, man. They're just Yeah, you do. You talk so <sighs> much smack about the Thorn Scrubs. So I had to throw that out there as people were like, eh, I don't want Thorn Scrubs. Well, so you know who, so much you know who has a Thorn Scrub? Nate. That's right. And he loves I regret it, it every day. <laughs> Dude, you're not helping my case here, bro. Come on, man. We're trying we're trying to raise money for a good cause and I want to donate these things to that. But they're good snakes. I'm not moving them they, because they're bad snakes. I'm moving them because I like my southeast stuff a little too much. Um I like obsolita a little too much. Um so that's the only reason I'm moving them, not because they're bad snakes. They eat frozen thawed literally every time I offer them food. Yeah, feeding them was never an issue with mine, that's for sure. Yeah, they eat fine. Hard. They're not bitey. They're not bitey. A little flighty at times, at least getting them out. Other than that, they're perfect. Great snakes, perfect breeders. You can cool them down. I'll even cool them for you. Okay. They're gonna go in the garage here soon. I'll cool them for you. Don't you wanna bother ship them. Because the the Raffle's happening next month, so. Well, yeah, I can't ship when it's freezing out, though. I don't know. So, uh, I talked to Reptiles Express as well, and Mike is willing to help out with some of the shipping as far as live animals go. Still don't have sort nice. of full details as far as how many that is. I need to kind of get a number together of what we're looking at ballpark-wise and get with him on that. Um, and then, so we'll kind of figure that out if it ends up being the case that we can't get everything shipped then we'll have it be the donor's decision as to whether or not they want to cover it or the winner covers it, which I feel like is completely fair. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, but got that. Uh, there's a killer. I think it's a high contrast tangerine leopard gecko from Christian oh, yeah. Parr. I'm not a Leo guy, but that thing is nice. Uh, I'm putting up the three cave geckos. Three, three female cave geckos are going to go up. Wait, they're all female. Yeah, pretty sure. No, one of them should be a male. No, I thought you lost the male. No. You had 1.3. Yes, I did. I'm pretty sure one of the females live world. Okay, well, then I'll double check. We'll Do see. you even look at those things? Come on now. I don't... They're... Anyways, <laughs> there's those. There's an albino stripe Newport cow king hand-delivered by <laughs> Satan himself, Jason Keller. <laughs> It is so. It is a nice snake. That it's thing a is very nice. It's snake. Hell on wheels, though. So it's very pretty. The sooner I can get that out of my house, the better. He's like, get pictures of the sides. That's where it's really nice. I'm like, dude, I can barely get a picture of it from above it. Like the thing, won't, you can't get near it without it trying to freaking eat you. Jake caught some of that action the other night. He saw it. I would have picked it up. I just didn't feel like getting oh, shit on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I didn't I'm, want to not, get I'm not scared of a eight inch snake trying to bite me. Well, I am. Okay, yeah, because you're the word I'm not no, gonna say. That's right. But I just didn't want to get shit on right before I went home and went to bed. So, if you want pictures yeah. of the sides, I will hold it while you take the picture. No, I'm not a baby. I'll, I'll get it. I'll figure it out. As <laughs> usual. Yep. Anyways, so this evening we are joined by Mr. Nate Truax of the Crockcast. What's up? Hello. How are we doing? Yeah, so far so good. You guys? Good man. Hanging out. Yeah. Working. I got a. I got major major catch up to do on the uh, on the snake room and stuff this weekend. So. Yeah. Same. 
I've been working uh, 13 and a half hour days, last three days in a row. Whoa. It's been, oh, because uh, the, with the second gig too? Yeah. So yeah. basically I go into my day job from 6.30 to 3 o'clock. And then I work my night job Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday from 4.15 to about 9. So it's a, it's a long day. Get that money, young blood. Definitely a long day. Yeah. But, you know, we're working on it. Is that what takes the support of a two of us habit? Yes. Well, no, <laughs> it's what it takes to support my habit of being in debt. So Credit card habit. Yeah. So mostly that's people are like, oh, dude, what do you spend it on? I'm like, have you seen my snake room? I just that's, had I just ordered more mice yesterday. Me too, actually. No, no I didn't. Oh. I I actually just got mice yesterday. <laughs> I got another shipment from uh, uh, Big Cheese. That was uh, another four hundred dollars down the drain. I just I I need adults because I got I'm gonna be pulling stuff out of cooling here soon. I gotta have stuff on hand to to get them get food in them. So that's exactly what I got. I got jumbos. I got larges and just adults so mm -hmm. something like that it adds up so quick <laughs> yeah it does rodent prices have gone up and that doesn't help but be what it be hopefully we have a good breeding season and that will cover most of that at least a quarter of it yeah maybe a portion may put a dent might put a dent maybe. if i have a good season i might be able to pay off the credit card that i use to buy rodents and then i can just use cash to buy my rodents from now on which would be nice but you know be what it be it's my problem not yours that's right have fun yeah i will that's why i work two jobs Ooh. nate yep how we doing can't complain Hanging out. Something like that. Yep. <laughs> well, for... you... oh. Whoop. Whoop. So anybody who hasn't listened to your podcast, tell us, uh, tell us about yourself a little bit. You can go as far back or as far recent as you want. Kind of give everybody that option. You don't have to give us the origin story, but if you would like to, you can. Because we know you like dinosaurs. So that's that. But <laughs> Well, who doesn't? <laughs> but uh yeah guess my origin story goes back to just being a little kid going over to have spent a night with his uh grandparents and uh turn on tv and stumbling across the animal plant with steve Irwin. that's pretty much my origin story pretty much my equivalent of my mom and dad getting shot in front of me in a gotham alley so <laughs> oh jesus <laughs> but uh yeah, after high school, took a gym bio two course, did some salamander herping stuff like that. But in college, uh, went to Bob Jones University up in uh, up uh, Greenville, South Carolina, for about two and a half years. Mm -hmm. Worked at a serpentarium there by the professor uh, there, Dr. Chris Carmichael. Oh yeah, yeah. Worked there for a little while. You know, got to work with a bunch of the stuff he has there. You know, the Asian water monitor, Bernie's pythons, Hildermata, all that cool stuff. Then uh, summer 2018, I took a three-and-a-half-month internship at a place down in Texas called Gator Country, 
which uh, if you just take the phrase redneck alligator park and just whatever comes to mind first, that's an accurate picture of what that place was. <laughs> All the way down to good old Beaumont, Texas, basically west of Louisiana. Then after that, summer of 2019, I took an internship at uh, Crocodile Encounter in Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. And after that, it's pretty much just been me, my personal collection, and my podcast. So nice. Um, I noticed so like when I when I you know first started talking and stuff like that, and and I was on the show a while back, and um, yeah. You know, friends on Facebook. I noticed there's a there's a pretty heavy emphasis on crocodilians. It seems like is that has that been a particular sort of corner of of herpetology and herpeticulture that you've had an interest in? Very much so. Yes. Uh, basically, my whole end goal in, in my career is to start my own uh, alligator park, more or less. So that's my ultimate dream. What's your favorite species? I mean, that's like a parent being asked to choose their favorite child. I mean, they have one, but they're not supposed to say. You can, though. Case, they're not around. They're not in the room. Okay. It, but in this case, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess when it comes down to brass tacks. Yeah. I guess when it comes down to brass tacks, I'll have to go with the uh, American alligator. Hmm. I'm a Cuban guy. Cuban Crocs. Oh, I love Cubans, yeah. but... Yeah, Cubans are dope. In terms of working with American alligators are just so much easier. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I don't know. That's one of the things about Cuban crocs that I've I've always found super interesting is like they're just I don't I don't know how to really describe it, but they're just everything I've heard from people that have worked with them, they're just so far removed behaviorally from, from so many other crocodilians in terms of like what they can do overall sort of personality and, and temperament and just really interesting. I just love the yeah. way they run, man. Like I love watching them gallop that I could watch Cuban Crocs run all day. It's great. They're so cool. Yeah. My sister keeps rabbits. And once I saw a rabbit run, all I could see is a small hairy version of a Cuban Croc without running. So <laughs> yeah. Well, I think too, in terms of sort of pattern and color, like you're going to be pretty hard pressed to find a crocodilian that actually like looks good, if that makes sense. Like when you see a Cuban, there's usually a lot of yellow and there's a lot of black and like it just stands out. It's not like when you see older crocodilians, be it, you know, Niles or uh, American alligators, American crocodiles, Simensis, whatever that pattern and color seems to really pop with Cubans, no matter how, how old they are. Yeah. Uh, there's some few like locales of Nile Crocs that are so yellow. They put any Cuban to shame. So even when I when to get a big adult size. Yeah, for sure. Those are probably second, second place oh, yeah. for the color and stuff. Oh yeah. No, those are, those are definitely really nice looking animals. Yeah. But uh, from my work with Cubans, they are definitely wired a bit different than any other crocodilian. So, yeah, they're just. I went so I went to the alligator farm recently, and 
that was the one thing that I was like most excited to see there was they have a they have a Cuban. I think it's just a single Cuban right now. They may have more somewhere else in the park, but I just saw the one yeah. on display and like that thing is they're just cool. I mean, it was neat to obviously see all of the stuff they have. They have a, you know, a, a display with a ton of Siamese Crocs in it and stuff, which I thought was neat because it's just a giant group of them. Um, you know, just the, the monster gators they have down there, man. Like they've, oh, I don't know if you've ever been there, but they got that main center of the park is just this giant lagoon type thing with some of the biggest freaking gators I've ever seen in my life. Like, huge bulls that like you're looking at them and it's it just it's mind-blowing like you you forget that they can even get that big yeah yeah and then, and then in that one lagoon there's that giant freshwater croc that just roams around in there with them it's freaking awesome i remember the last time i was there it was, it's been a few years but i was looking at that exact lagoon i was looking at all the all the gators kind of from the you know, from the little walkover area, and then there's this massive freshwater croc just going through everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh my god!" It's a freshie, awesome. Mm-hmm. Might have been yeah. American. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah, American Never crocodile, heard of... not freshwater crocodile. I was gonna... <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, American crocodile is kind of the opposite of freshie. Yeah, but... no, I'm stupid. I'm just stupid. Yeah, but yeah, American crocodile. I think American Crocs are one of my favorites too, just from the aspect of like people don't even realize that they're a thing. Yeah. But it's also yeah. like it's the same, it's like the corn snake of of crocodilians almost. It's like that's ours. <laughs> like it's that's a, it's an American crocodile, man. Like alligators are cool, but it's like we got a croc too, and people just don't even know that, that species exists. Yeah. I guess my favorite thing about American Crocs is the fact that they'll willingly hybridize with just just about anything yeah. they come within five feet of. So <laughs> You but they word. they haven't hybridized with morlets, have they? There's no documentation. Morlets, Niles, they're actually the main threat to the Cuban pop, Cuban crocodile's population is uh, yeah. American cro- crocodiles hybridizing them out of existence. Mm-hmm. I knew that was a thing, but I knew like morlets have a huge range, and there's some overlap there. And I in captivity, surprise. Niles have hybridized with them as well. So that doesn't surprise me either. I don't know. Especially considering uh, Niles are the closest relative of all the neotropic crocodiles. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Nice. The um, like the the hybridizing between the Americans and the Cubans though is that that's something that kind of would have happened regardless, right? Like, was there any? That's not something that was on account of us. Well, basically, they wouldn't. The, the two made populations wouldn't have even been mingling together if it wasn't for the fact that the Cuban government back in the like you know the 50s or the 60s basically built a canal from the ocean straight into the middle of the Cuban crocodile's habitat which is basically uh, just a highway okay. for American crocs to get in there because mm-hmm. it's, it's it's two like almost two single swamps that's considered their range like it's these tiny little pockets on like the far southwest coast right or is it the west coast something like that so you're the yeah. Isle of Pines and the I want to say it's the bottom swamp going yeah. off the top of my head. Yep. Like it's tiny. Like their range is, is super small. And I mean, their population already was small. And so it's like you got American crocs sort of rolling up in there, just changing it up. But it's, yeah, it's but are. Yeah. But interesting thing, uh, 
this is when we interviewed uh, Paul Bonnard, which has probably been the second episode we did. He's talking about the different genetic populations of American crocs. There's actually uh, the American crocs uh, genome in the uh, Greater Antilles is more closely related to uh, Cuban crocodiles than to other American crocodile populations. Oh, weird. Yeah. So Cuban croc might just be like a type locale of American croc, more or less. I don't know. They're definitely built different. Yeah. Very good, man. I don't know. I, I'm just repeating what <laughs> we talked about in my show in the past. What's your uh, your current collection looking like? Well, about a month and a half ago, I had a bit of an accident that kind of halved it. So, oh, yeah, I have an outbuilding that I keep my stuff in, and uh, overnight, one of the heat, the heat, heater that I have heating it went kaput, and uh, half of my stuff froze up. So, oh, yeah, and you're you're in Ohio, right? Yeah. So it's oh, pretty yeah, damn cold. It's cold. Yeah. Damn, so man, that, that sucks. What kind of heater were you using? It's like a Eden Pure. Okay. It's so like a space hmm. heater or like an oil pan type of deal or uh, space heater. Space heater, yeah. Yeah, man, I swear by these oil oil filled radiant heaters, man. Those things are these things have been a lifesaver for me. I've been running one for probably three four years yeah now. it's been a it's, while yeah it's been i got it running right now in my room that i'm in and it's it's been solid those things are these things last a long time they do really well but um yeah dude that that sucks so what do you yeah. keep in what what do you have as far as what what survived uh saw my pair of uh iron jaya carpets there you go uh, thorn scrub Made it through, no problem. Of course. Uh, Florida King, pair of gophers, uh, a big female diamond carpet, and uh, one of my Stimpsons, Pythons. There you go. Nice, I do, every now and then I get the, I, I miss Antaresia a little bit. And then you get the main... I remember why you didn't want them in the first place. Yeah, I mean, not enough to like want to get them again, but I'm like, man, those were fun little snakes. But then I'm like, I'm good. You know, my anteri- my one Antaresia experience, like, kind of fucked me up so bad. Like, I had one loan. I asked a couple of people about it. A lot of people were telling me it was like a children eye spotted cross, you know, type of deal. Um. But whatever, it was cool. It was one animal. I had it in a little six court thing with slam pinkies. It was fine. I walked in my room one day and it had like wedged itself between the lid and this little little indent in my tub. And I guess it couldn't get out and it just died. It just Mm. choked out. I don't know what, but it was like hanging between the lid and the spy. And it was just like. Like that rhino one that one night. I was like, what the kind hell, of man? like that. You remember yeah. that? That uh, rhino that was like between two tubs, and it like wedged herself. She's fine, but you remember that? Oh, like I went to go right. show yeah, you, and yeah. I was like, wait, why is a rhino in this corn snake cage? Yeah. And the rhino was like going from one tub out of her tub and into another one, but it like gotten herself stuck in that gap. Yeah. 
between yeah. the, the tubs, like right in the mid body. Yeah. Cause I pulled it out. There's a rhino head sitting there looking at me and I'm like, what? It, what? Like yeah. genuinely surprised. Like, yeah. That, you're not supposed to be that. in here. No, that I was got my... lucky with that. That could have been bad. Yeah. 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 No, that was my one Antaresia experience. And I was like, damn, that kind of sucks. It was a cool animal and never really had much intentions to get into more, but it just kind of sucked. It's like, that's the only time that's ever happened to me. I've never had a snake, like, basically choke itself out. But, um, yeah, was not, was not pleasant. Mm. I was pretty upset. But, shims, man. Shims. Well, it wasn't even that. Like, it was a lone tub. Like, it just had a locking lid oh, on it. It wasn't in a rack. It had a lid on it locking whatever it was in there for months like i had the thing probably almost a year you know i got it while i was in texas and i had it when i moved back and uh yeah i don't know it's uh just one of those freak accidents i guess but yeah no i got shims stacked on this black box rack right here all over the place man always need to have them on hand because you never know Right. Some of that, some of that small stuff, you're you'd be surprised what it can. What Dude, it can I'm telling you, uh, if there's any, especially when it comes to the rat snakes, if there's any gap, no, I don't play it because they'll they'll find it, they'll figure it out. My tubs are pushed all the way to the top, every single one, at least anything that's you know semi small. I don't. Call me down. Yeah, reminds me of the old uh, old natural saying: If you're ever out in the woods, you say to yourself. How the hell did that snake get up there? Odds are it was a rat snake. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Rat snakes will get anywhere. But um They're magnetic. Yeah. Absolutely. Nate, tell us a little bit about, you know, what kind of work you do with crocs on, you know, a regular basis. You know, what are you doing right now for them all? And yeah. Uh nothing with them at the moment. But okay. uh, other than my podcast, but I've done a few other things like I uh, had to transport a few t- crocs from uh, one zoo to another. So that was always a fun experience. Yeah. It's always interesting trying to smuggle a six foot salty into a motel room. So, oh, <laughs> they all have bathtubs. They're fine. Yeah. No, I did that one time with a bunch of snakes. It was actually when I was moving back from Texas. Um, we had, it, it, it was like a 19 hour drive. I got picked up in the middle of the night, you know, type of deal. Loaded all my snakes and um, it was cold. Like it was January when I moved back and my dad came and got me and uh, he was a trooper. He came, came to Texas, showed up at like nine o'clock at night. We loaded up all my shit and, I was out and we drove for several hours and I had, I didn't have that many snakes at the time, but they were all in like cages and shit. Um, but I probably had 15 snakes. I was bringing back and I was like, what are we going to do with all these? He was like, just let them on the cart, put a blanket over them and bring them in the room. I was like, okay. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly what we did. <laughs> They're contained. It's fine. Far worse things have happened in that hotel room, I'm sure. Oh, someone oh bringing yeah. <laughs> but I kind of want to hear more about hear more about that. You got a saltwater croc in a hotel, motel, a lot, a lot motel. easier than a hotel. Oh yeah, a a motel. Easier. Yeah, I could see that. Those are those are lawless. <laughs> it's a wasteland. The rules are there ain't no rules. 
Well, I did have to sneak a pair of uh, juvenile Orinoco Crocs in into a hotel right in front of the concierge desk. So, just duffel bags that were just flailing on the, yeah. on, the on the cart. No, they were in they were in like a corrugated plastic tubes. Oh, uh, oh okay, I got gotcha. you. The thing that had a giant plastic crate I was carrying them in. The thing is, I was walking past, and all of a sudden they start start moving around inside the tubes, making noise. I was like, oh. <laughs> just, just bolt to the room. Just don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. It's not humans, I promise. <laughs> this lady at the desk was like, "There's the what is what is this?" It's not my girlfriend. It's fine. Shut up. Who do you have in that? Nothing. So what fun. was the? You've been doing the podcast for for a while now. What was? Sort of the initial motivation was starting that. Well, uh, current job I'm at with my family business. Uh, how the role that I had at the time I came up with it. Basically, job I had allowed me to just sit and think for a lot. So one day I just was working. I just kept on this phrase just kept on repeating in my head: "Crockcast, crockcast, crockcast." I was like, "Screw it!" I see my friend. My Facebook uh, friends list. I have plenty of people I could probably just ask on. And I mean, if Joe Rogan could do a podcast, sure, so can I, right? <laughs> there you go. That's not this against the Joe Rogan podcast. That's just me making a joke, but uh, that's kind of how it happens, more or less. Yeah. And kind of my main reason for doing that is entirely for selfish reasons. So it was just. It's just for me to get an excuse to get to talk to um, reptile people for like in long format conversations and actually mm-hmm. have a valid excuse to do that. Oh man, that's not a, definitely not a bad thing. You know, Justin and I say all the time, you know, we get as much out of our podcast as our listeners do. You know, like that's just it's just part of it. Yeah, it's the same with Phil. Like we were just having these, we were just hanging out, talking on the phone all the time, smoking cigars, and I was like, "Why are we'd have like legitimate conversations about you know the difference between like why is Trimeresurus now that and Pariahs and Cryptolytrops and like I'm like, why are we recording this? Because this is stuff that I'm sure there's plenty of other people that have been asking the same thing, you know. And Jake, I mean, like we've said that since the beginning too. It's like these are the conversations we normally have with one another we're just now recording it you know yes that's that's exactly how it came about when justin you know first approached me about podcast because dude i don't think i had known you two three months you know before we started the podcast and you asked me you're like you know i've been thinking about starting a podcast you know would you want to you know get in on it you know and i was like i mean i don't know what would we talk about he's like the stuff we talk about every day we just record it. And I'm like, fuck you and your logic. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I guess it makes sense, you know? And that's really what the first several episodes of THP were because we didn't, we didn't have a way to do. Yeah, guests. we hadn't had the technology yet to, you know, yeah. to do so, that. So we just came up with topics and talked like we did every day. Yeah, I mean, however many episodes later, here we are. 
I mean, my podcast is basically just an excuse for me to talk to Tom Crutchfield. So <laughs> you do. I mean, it's awesome. Like the it's it's bizarre how you like you wouldn't think that something as simple as a as a podcast would open as many doors as it does in terms of like the people you eventually get to call friends, you know, dare I say family and yeah, absolutely. You know, the connections you make, it's just, it's wild. I mean, I think our, I don't know that, that we have the circle that we do. Yeah. You know, without, like, it's, just, it's odd. Like you wouldn't think that just recording conversations and uploading them would, would make that big of an impact, but it, you know, it's it's crazy yeah. dude i'm telling you i wouldn't know half the people that i call family today if it wasn't for this podcast you know like some of the people yeah i've been following or they followed me for you know before the podcast there's probably very few because before this it was very minimal you know mm-hmm. but it was because of this you know i have built you know a, a family you know because of it and it's it's amazing, really, you know, the group of people that I call friends and brothers and sisters. It's just, it's great. It's amazing, you know, that's solely from this podcast. And it's and there's people with PhDs that even want to talk to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, it's crazy, man. But thankful for it. That's for sure. How many episodes deep are you now? Uh, like 44, 45, something like that. But mm-hmm. hit a bit of a brick wall in that laptop I used to record. It got wet. So now I had to basically get my laptop prepared get back on the horse. Yeah. I, yeah, that's always my, my biggest fear is something happening to, to, my, to my laptop. You know, just... At some point, I need to I need to upgrade and then either keep this one and just use it for podcast stuff or fully switch over. I don't know. This is the Mac that still has the, the USB drives and stuff on it. Like the <laughs> like, I can still actually attach stuff to it and not have to have a fifty. Same here. Same here. So. Yeah, I need to get a laptop. I don't know what twenty seven year old doesn't have a fucking laptop, but. Me. I mean, with phones, dude, I don't even think you really, it's not even necessary anymore. It would be a lot easier for some things I need to do on my personal time to actually use a laptop to fill out things, but be with me. I have a work, I have a work computer. So there's that. Yeah, but they're, they're watching that, right? Exactly. Although sometimes I question if they actually are. <laughs> IT guy says, Brots, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The old county job. Always watching. But so I mean we've we've mentioned how the podcast has sort of shaped us in, in a lot of ways in terms of how we're like how we approach keeping things, how we approach sort of herpeticulture in general, because you, you get all these new ideas and sort of ways of looking at things that you probably wouldn't normally get if you weren't doing something like this. So in the handful of episodes that you've, you've done now, like, have you already noticed, like taken ideas that you've heard and sort of found ways to adapt them to how you're keeping things or just her pediculture in general? 
Uh, yes and no. I mean, yes, I have a little bit, but you know the fact that most people I talk to are talking about animals that, you know, get 12 foot long and a thousand pounds. So kind of hard for me to take care of them at the moment. Yeah. But I, it has been a big inspiration for me to try and like provide bigger and better enclosures for my animals. So yeah, that's one thing I've noticed is, uh, keep on getting bigger enclosures and I must apologize. I did not know about black box when I first got those. And uh, a friend of mine lured me to the dark side of something that rhymes with uh, mammal plastics. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. So. Yeah, no, it's it, like you can't really say anything because, like, they were kind of the staple in the hobby for a long time. You know, they've been around for quite a while, but, you know. So I have a new sort of perspective on sort of competition and arenas like that, you know, and something my boss actually mentioned, you know, we had there's another t-shirt company across town that's sort of a direct competitor. And like he saw one of the people that that works there or something at some function and they kind of started talking some smack, like pseudo jokingly. And he kind of laughed because he's like there's there's room for everyone you know like not like you guys couldn't keep up with the demand solely by yourselves we couldn't keep up with the demand to do shirts for everybody by ourselves like it's kind of the same thing like yeah black box is who we preferred who we like but black box could not provide enclosures for the entire you know for everybody like there there has to be stuff like there has to be other people doing the same sort of same business. Yeah. Yeah. But Black Box could provide you with some awesome enclosures. Just remember that. And if you got the quickest it's lead, speed at the end. Yeah, they've got uh, the quickest lead time in the industry right now. Yeah. But who so did you with, like? Who did you like having on the show more, Phil or Nipper? Oh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a landmine. That's a landmine of a question. Answer. Uh, you can say Phil. I would too. <laughs> Do they both listen to this? Or uh-huh. yeah, I think so. Maybe I don't know. I honestly don't know. Do they? We should probably I... ask. Uh, answer with your heart, not your mind. <laughs> I'm going to count to three. And by the time I finish, <laughs> just throw a name out. Okay. Uh, let's see here. I had to choose from those, just those two? No, I mean, if there's anyone in particular that you, you know, was kind of like uh, one of those that's people just a... you were really, really hurting to get, like you really wanted them to, to, that was like one of the, I call them white whales. Like I have a, a mental list that's my white whales of like people that I one day want to have on, and I sort of once a year I try to pin down at least one of them. You know, what's... well, if that's the case, then easy answer is uh, Tom Crutchfield. But but uh, in terms of one that I I just really enjoyed recording a lot, oh, uh, probably go with uh, David Kirshner. 
those who don't know, who is that? Uh, he's a uh, well, you he's a crocodilian researcher down in Australia, and he's uh, currently the curator of reptiles at the uh, Sydney Zoo. So oh, nice. he also does a you small YouTube channel as well. So nice. Cool, and he also uh, co-authored, but by his own mission, more illustrated uh, the book, uh, The Complete Biology and Evolution of Crocodilians. So, Very cool. Which, if you want to learn about crocodilians, that is, in my opinion, the book to read. So, Nice. So with your, with your podcast, you know, obviously I know you're crocodilian focus for the most part but do you do you other like do you ever have people on just talk snakes or lizards or anything like that or is it all croc well related well like somebody just said i've had both uh nipper and phil on so and me yeah but we don't have to talk about you right nobody 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 those are those count right that's nobody nobody listened to that one Okay, let's, Probably not. Let's get that. Bear that. Again. I don't know. Let's get that. Analytics, could, but... Let me sum up this episode in three words: bears, rats, rhinos, condors. Cool, we're done. <laughs> That's four. We already. He's already. We already know what he's gonna say. Yeah, but uh, um, I just try and keep my focus, a large focus on crocodilians because I haven't. There's like there's a ton of there's quite a few podcasts already out on you know snakes and lizards stuff like that, but there hasn't. I think it might be one or two others, but for the most part, there isn't really a crocodilian podcast. So I want to kind of right. fill an available ecological niche, so to speak. Yeah, I don't know of any off the top of my head that are solely focused. You know. No, that's cool. I mean, that's it's. I always like podcasts that are kind of dedicated to a a niche or a species. You know, like not just you know us. Obviously, we cover anything in herpeticulture. Um, but I really enjoy the podcasts that people put out specifically for one thing, one thing only. You know, or at least kind of focused on that for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's cool. It can, it's definitely harder. You know, that's why hats off to, you know, everybody who does that, you know, because it's, you know, it's tough to, to keep it on one subject, you know, um, it's, it can be difficult, but if you can make it happen, man, I mean, that's, that's awesome. You know, we need, definitely need more podcasts out there like that, you know, because if it's just her pediculture as a whole, a lot of the same people kind of just get, filtered through you know and we're no exception to that but you know when you're in a very specific you know species or niche of the hobby you know it's definitely makes for some really good content it's definitely needed i think there's a sweet spot like that's what i kind of learned with chondrocast and corn stars like there is a point to where you're the what you can cover is too narrow, like with chondro cast in particular, like there's only so much that can be talked about with chondros that you can't not cover again repeatedly, you know? Corn stars yeah. is a much, much wider field to sort of, of things to, to talk about and cover. So that one is a little easier to pull off. So like Jake said, hats off because it's definitely it's definitely tough sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. 
So what about some uh, future guests? Who are you looking to have on, you know, later on down the road? What kind of topics are you looking to you're looking to cover? Uh, I'm looking to double down more on uh, field researchers and uh, especially crocodilian researchers in the f- future. But at the moment, it's kind of a uh, kind of amorphous because I'm still trying to fi- uh, fix my tech issue first. So, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. But, nice man. Yeah, that'll be really cool if you can get more, you know, actual field guys and researchers out there. You know, like the, in the, on the yeah. show because you know I feel like that's such an important part. Like we as hobbyists, like yeah, we keep things in boxes and cages, you know, but getting the people who put in the field work, you know, they are just a wealth of information and knowledge that you can get out there. And it's, it's absolutely needed because even if you're not out there doing the field research on a bunch of different crocs, you know, you, people who may keep in captivity there, you know, that helps, you know, above and beyond, man, like talking to field herpers is, some of my favorite conversations, you know, because that you learn yeah. so much from the field that you can put into captive keeping, you know. Yeah. But it's kind of nice thing that I have been able to get a lot of uh, field researchers and other, and other sorts of crocodilian conservationists and biologists on in the past as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, uh, Especially uh, Mark Merchant was just name an example of one. It's like one of the leading researchers in uh, uh, reptile immunology, uh, reptile immune systems. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's that's a good good bridge to or gap to, to bridge as well as you know the we talk about it a lot is the the private sector connecting with the academic side and the you know the, the professional side of things that are out in the field doing that kind of research and there's really only a handful of podcasts that do that on a regular basis too yeah yeah uh, it's definitely something the hobby needs more of is those actual field guys out there doing doing the lord's work yeah like that's that's great you ever you ever thought about getting cody bartolini on there cody bartolini uh, Reptile Preservation Institute. Oh, that's who it is. I know the Reptile Preservation Institute. I just didn't know yeah. the name. So, yeah, no, Cody. They're, they're doing a lot of they're doing a lot a lot of work with you know um, American alligators. I don't know what they have at the institute. They've got right some now. American they've alligators. Some... They've got some morlets. Um, for some reason, I'm thinking maybe they got them recently. I could be wrong. Yeah, they've got they've got some big outdoor enclosures. I know when they, we were there for Carpet Fest, they had some had some babies and some setups in their reptile room. And yeah, they're doing they're doing some really awesome stuff with with crocodilians, man. Yeah. Just prepare for a long episode. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, but, love Cody. But I'm just grateful I've been have this platform to talk about these animals I just find so unique and interesting. And I don't know about underappreciated because I don't think I don't think they are, but uh, overlooked, not as well understood as other reptiles. I would say. 
I mean, we have uh, this kind of common image of uh, crocodilians as a whole kind of being, at least in the general public image, being as kind of uh, ruthless monsters, which, from my personal opinion, uh, personal experience, some of them can be. There are some genuine asshole crocodile, crocodiles and alligators out there. But I've experienced plenty of ones that are it's basically just a big, scaly uh, Labrador retriever, more or less. They're definitely smarter than I think they they get credit for. Absolutely, like they're more complex than than what you would outwardly see. Yeah, and I think the reason they, I think everybody you know in her pediculture as a whole finds crocodilians very fascinating, pretty much across the board. You know, we all love anything crocodilian, alligators crocodiles caimans you know we love them all you know people i had a buddy from new york bent frame come down and visit me to do some herping and um it was bad weather to actually find some snakes but you know we have alligators out the freaking wazoo here and luckily it got warm enough to actually see a lot of gators and that was you know one of the highlights of coming here we did find a baby rattlesnake so that kind of hit the hit the top for him but you know like seeing alligators was amazing to him you know like we all find them amazing and you know beautiful creatures but i think the reason at least in her pediculture they might get kind of looked over quote unquote is because you can't really it's very hard to keep them you know, oh, we're yeah, all definitely. so focused on the things we can keep, you know, personally. And that's kind of like where we put a lot of our attention and focus on. But, you know, because we can't keep crocodilians nearly as easy as we can keep rat snakes and carpet pythons and whatnot. It's... Unless you have a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, even the smallest crocodilian is about the same size as most larger monitors so exactly and those things like you need a small room to house one in you know like it's it's not something you can just keep in a cage you know black box doesn't make a cage that can house a dwarf caiman you know unfortunately maybe they will one day but you know it's That'd not be lot, yeah no it's not That'd be a lot of things yeah it's definitely not something your average person can keep easily you know is it doable absolutely you know but you have to put your whole heart and soul into that to keep them properly you know so i think that's a big reason why they kind of like i'm not gonna say on the back burner but they're not as focused in our industry yeah yeah because if yeah, you can't but, keep it in, because you can't keep it in a four foot cage, what's the point? Just kidding. But I mean, they're least amount smarter than anything you can't keep in a four foot cage. So. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. They're not smarter than my ackies. <laughs> Aren't ackies like the most brain dead of all monitors? Probably. <laughs> Very likely. Yeah, but. I've literally worked with an alligator that tried to lure me into the water. I kid you not. 
Would it like start wanna, um, or something? I want to hear that story. Please elaborate. Start tossing one dollar bills at me. <laughs> hey man, but, uh, I got some candy in this pond here. Come check it out. Got a Snickers bar yeah. up in the back seat. See. But now, yeah, actually, but, uh, I don't want to hear that story. But uh, at that Gator Country place they interned at, um, I guess now now he's their second biggest. But what you see there, biggest alligator, big owl, probably is here. I think he's like 13 foot 8 inches. Old 86-year-old behemoth. And basically, we would just have, you know, got uh, a feeding show for the crowd to see him. Basically, we would just stay on the edge of the pond and stomp our feet to get him to come up. And it was kind of fun because he... It's kind of funny because he had a bit of a hunched shoulders, so when he was coming up and got on shallow water, it literally looked like Godzilla coming out of the water. (laughs) But anyways... He'd always do this, you know, it got kind of routine with him after a while where he would, like, do that initial lunge out on the bank. He'd tap us now to get him, you know, to open up for the crowd. And then he'd kind of uh, pull back into the water a little bit, tap us out a little bit, get him to raise back up, and keep repeating. But you notice every time he went back, he went back, like, into the water, back further than the water, like an inch further back. So he had to reach out just a little bit further every time. So eventually we're just like, okay, we're just going to walk down the bank and get you to come over here again. Start all over from step step one. Yeah, he was baiting you. Yeah, just kept on backing up just a little bit further. Yeah. Now, oh, man, all crocodilians, you know, are, I think in my opinion, they're some of the smartest, you know, reptilians on the planet. You know, monitors are obviously way up there, you know, as far as intelligence goes, but, you know, um, you can't you can't train a rat snake. You can you can train crocodilians. Beg to differ. Throw a top hat on it. It'll pose for the camera. <laughs> That's where uh, you're wrong, uh, Bucko. <laughs> yeah, you got me there, buddy. You got yeah. me there. Like I knew they were smart, but it wasn't until I read Fitzgerald's book you know tears for crocodilia where he talked about some of the social behaviors and the the things that we didn't realize they they were capable of oh yeah yeah Yeah, especially uh cubans as well of all the So you think Cubans are pretty up there as far as intelligence goes? Oh, yeah. I've seen it firsthand, so, yeah. Well, elaborate. I want to hear the stories, man. Here from the just, gritty. Come on. I mean, there's no really in particular story. It's just okay. from working with them. I just know they're really quick to notice something and pick up on something and go and investigate it. So I got you. What are your thoughts on, on like dwarf caimans and stuff in the hobby? I mean, if there has to be a crocodile in the hobby, that's the perfect one. Long and short of it. I mean, I would say maybe uh, maybe African dwarf crocs might be a little bit better because for everyone I've talked to who's worked with them, they seem to have a lot, actually have a really fun little spunky personality. Mm-hmm. Whereas the majority of dwarf caimans are just like like 
Yeah, Jaguar. Hi. So. Yeah, they're they're just. I've always wanted one. I tried to convince Katie to let me get one, and she wouldn't go for it. Go figure. You could turn that garage into a do- do- perfect dwarf game. And right. I was going to set something up in the backyard. Me and you in the backyard for nothing. Like, let me, yeah. Let me make something happen. Yeah. And because uh, if I was going to do one of those, like I want to do it right. You know? Yeah, actually, uh, I was a little kid. The neighbor across the street from my grandparents actually had alligators in his backyard for the summer. So, go to oh, their wow. place, walk crocodile hunter, then go down to the local park, had to pass by and look at and occasionally spot an alligator. So, in the middle of Ohio, of all places. Damn. Well, if you want to see alligators galore, buddy, come down to good old Beaufort, South Carolina. I trust you. Any yeah. any golf course. Take a pick. Yeah. No, we had so when my buddy came down uh, from New York, we actually had a we actually had a really cool experience. Very I've seen it before, but very little. Um, we were walking a bank on this massive pond. We were on a wildlife refuge, and uh, there's just gators galore. But we walked up around this pond, and there's a big alligator just kind of sitting on the bank. You know, we were probably 20 feet from it, you know, so we're, we were both into photography. We're taking pictures and stuff. And um, all of a sudden, we saw some movement in the water, and we're like, well, what the hell is that? At first, I thought it was a snake kind of beeline, beelining into the water. And then we started to look, and there was probably 15, 20 babies just surrounding this mom and they started to come up on the bank and they were getting on top of her and he got some really really awesome pictures of it and we kind of started to scoot a little closer to try to get some better shots and also you see her mom just you know just making the doing that growl being like don't don't you get any closer you know and it was just yeah. it's really cool to see them interact with babies and seeing the babies interact with mom you know and just the it, it's super cool to see them down here you know especially with babies it, it, it's awesome i love seeing baby gators yeah yeah but uh i always found it fascinating how much the young actually communicate with their mother even while they're still in the egg so oh really yeah they'll actually start chirping with each other weeks before they hatch in order to synchronize when they hatch so the mother actually learns their uh, voices more or less no shit (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know that that's super cool yeah but uh when i was at gator country we had raided one of the female alligator nests and got all the eggs out of it. And we didn't even put in an incubator. We just basically had a big plastic tub, tote tub and filled it up with a bunch of the nested material and put the eggs in it. And just left it outside on top of a, basically on top of a shelf where nothing could get into it. And just let them sit. And then my last day there, I was doing a deck show or, you know, getting a little talk show. And I always did an imitation of a baby gator calling. You know, a little yeah. sound. And right as I did that, the boss walked by, was walking by, 
and all of a sudden all the eggs started chirping back at right after I did that. <laughs> and then they all started hatching. So no way. I don't know if it's just coincidence, but you can't call me the gator whisperer. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool, man. I had no idea they started doing that before they even hatched. That's that's pretty incredible, actually. Yeah. Cool stuff, man. Yeah. I still, I want a dwarf gaming, man. Yeah. Do it. So do I you can't have- properly accommodate. Otherwise, I would. Yeah. Well, you know the whole thing. Forgiveness is a lot easier to get than permission. Yeah, that, that's very true. So, Nate, do you have any aspirations to keep any crocodilians in the semi near future? You know, are you working towards anything like that? Work towards building a place where I could keep some uh, dwarf gaming because in Ohio, uh, Paleosuchus is the only crocodilians you could keep without a permit. So, okay. Nice. So, in your opinion, because I feel like so many people do this wrong. I've seen many a baby dwarf caiman kept in fish tanks. Um, so as an adult caiman, and again, this is for the general public, not me. As an adult with a dwarf caiman, what do you think is a proper, properly sized enclosure? I probably give them. Um... A 10 by 6 foot land area and equally sized water area. Okay. Nice. So you're looking, at, my garage. you're looking at like a 20 by 12 space for an animal to have plenty of swim space as well as basking areas. Yeah, but the nice thing about that size is you can actually probably keep a, maybe up to a trio in there. Okay. So. Nice. And uh, that's particularly true with uh, dwarf caimans and dwarf crocs is that they're a lot more terrestrial than uh, other crocodilians. So. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, I, that I didn't know. Yeah, in fact, uh, Pilisuchus trigonatus uh, schneiders, uh, they're the most terrestrially adapted of all crocodilians in that they have uh, proportionally the shortest tail, so it acts as less of a counterweight, so they are able to walk on land more, more well-balanced. Nice. And their teeth are actually different than any other crocodilians as well. Instead of just being a simple round peg shape, they're actually a more thin, serrated cutting shape. So more allosaurus than alligator. Right. Very cool. Which is it, palpabrosis or is it trigonatus that get bigger? Trigonatus, on average, gets a bit bigger. But at the same time, if you can have an outlying individual that gets bigger than most yeah. of the others, the other one. So, yeah. I mean, dwarf is a relative term when it comes to caimans. So, yeah, I mean, anything in comparison to pretty much everything else in the crocodilian world is. Dwarf. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a dwarf came, a big male trigonotus, even a big male probabrosis actually probably comparable in size to uh, the m- most spectacle caimans. So. 
Oh, wow. Like a really big one, so. Yeah, I've seen some big caimans out there. You know, I've had guys, I've seen guys, you know, post pictures like, oh, this is my dwarf caiman. And things like freaking six, seven foot long. And I'm like, hmm. that's, that's just a caiman. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's just a caiman, dude. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. But, uh, yeah, a co worker of mine who's also into reptiles, but uh, he said, hey, yeah, I have a buddy down in Florida who has a caiman. Here's a picture instead of its to me. Took one look at it, and I was like, that's not a caiman, that's an alligator, so. <laughs> that's an American alligator, son. Close know, enough. I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, same thing. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I remember, you know, I don't remember who was talking about it, but I remember somebody being like, yeah, you know, back in the, you know, early 90s of reptile keeping, you go to a reptile show, and they're just selling baby American alligators like it was... Nothing. Dude, you used to be able to order them in a catalog back in like the 50s and you get them mailed to you. Little baby. I thought you could get them like a dime store. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's a different world. A better world. A better world. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of alligators uh, living in a bathroom. Um. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That's just something I think about sometimes is if someone, if I can go back in time with my knowledge of uh, keeping reptiles and how much looser, looser exotic laws were back in the day, I probably would go back to like sometime like the 40s or 50s and just do whatever the hell I wanted, more or less. Yeah, but we just yeah. don't have we don't have the technology though. Like it would probably be infinitely harder to keep stuff. It yeah. would be infinitely harder. To keep stuff. Yeah, no, I don't know about crocodilians. I mean, monitors with the lighting and stuff like that. I can see, but yeah, for sure. You know, it's kind of a I don't know. It's kind of, I think with that, it's kind of a catch twenty two. Like, yeah, now we have more of the knowledge, more of the accessibility to keep them properly, but now it's a lot harder to actually keep them. You know what I mean? Like, we have more of the knowledge. We have more of the more of the ways to feed them and you know all the all the things and you know we have we have little caesars for five dollars a fucking box i mean come on now feed them i'm sorry sorry couldn't help myself um <laughs> and doesn't eggs going for ten dollars that's right large pizza boy lost them for a week it took me a minute to get that. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I still laugh at that, but uh, yeah. So I mean, come that. on! Like they find gators with like license plates in their stomachs. Like, yeah, actually, that's, uh, that's a good point. Had a uh, Marissa Telez on, Doctor Marissa Telez on, and she she actually and she actually found that uh, stomach nodes are actually beneficial to crocodilians' uh, digestive systems. I'm sorry, you broke out for a second. What, what's beneficial? 
You broke out again. I did <laughs> I did not hear that. Nematodes. Like, like worms? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, her research actually found that uh, nematodes actually help with like a breakdown of bone and stuff like that in stomach. I got you. Which yeah, is interesting because they already have like hardcore stomach acid. Yeah, they can digest some serious stuff. They do, but uh, the shaxian nematodes, like they have literally like thousand nematodes in an adult alligator stomach, you know. Which for most animals would be parasite load. Mm-hmm. The croc handles it no problem. Gator handles it no problem. And they actually, as she found as soon as the food hits the stomach, all nematodes come out and into the bone. Mm. And actually, they found, she actually found out nematodes actually help. Nope. Those parasites actually uh, helped uh, metabolize uh, heavy metal. Breaking up a bit still. Yeah, you're, you're, um, I'm losing you a lot on my end. Oh. So. What? Still hear me? Yeah. yeah you, just, you keep going in and out. It's very, uh, very staticky. Alright, uh, let's see here. Uh, found that uh, the stomach parasites actually Yeah, it's still struggling. Yeah, it's struggling bad. Let's see if I can know. Ah, see here. Am I still breaking up? Uh, we heard you when you said that, but keep okay, going. I'm, getting, uh, I'm getting I'm getting a lot of feedback from your uh, your headset. All right. Uh, oh, there you go. That sounds okay right there. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, those sites actually help absorb and metabolize heavy metals. So they actually okay. prevent alligators from getting poisoning. Like you oh, could literally feed 
alligators had pellets and they would not get lead poisoning. Oh wow. That's that's pretty crazy. Does that have any any like does that play into their their immune system being as as uh, strong as it is? Um so but I mean it doesn't hurt, so Very cool, man. Is there any species you want to add to the collection here in the near future? Well, in the near future, I am going to pair a Bioc Chondros, so. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's the guy with the brown snake. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Speaking of brown snakes, I do need to get Oh, yeah. Hey, man, there's going to be a trio on the raffle. Ready to bring yeah, I think it's I just want the male from the female I already have. I don't know if I want to be on a, a three-headed dragon at once. You could, add, you could add a male and two females. Think about it. It's for a good cause. Exactly. Nice group of hatred. They're not hatred. They're actually great snakes. But, uh, gotta find a rhino iguana as well. So, those are rhino iguana. Yeah. I mean, I had a pig that got lost. I was debating either going for a so well we are at around an hour and a half uh, where can people follow the podcast get in touch if they're on uh, the podcast Instagram broadcast c-r-o-c-k-a-s-t on Instagram and at my personal, um, which would be n.truex.tx. Awesome. Very cool, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I hate that we're having a little technical difficulties through the end here, but um, I think overall, this was a very good episode. And thank you so much for joining us on this wonderful Thursday Eve and uh, definitely look forward to talking to you again soon. My pleasure. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com Check them out. Facebook, Instagram, blackboxcages.com and Steve Snakeshuary. SteveSnakeshuary.com Venom Hot Sauce. Check it out. Try it. You know you'll like it. It's good. Yeah. We'll be back for Snakes and Stogies on our usual Monday night shenanigans. Uh, and then I think next Thursday we're trying to get a Corn Stars episode together. So, piss well, off. Rob. Let me know if I'm going to be uh, just forgot about for the week. It's fine. How's your tattoo healing? 
It's very itchy. It was supposed to be healed, completely healed by now. Um, my artist said two weeks and we'd be good. It has been it was, two weeks. It's been eight weeks. It's been two weeks today. It's a little inflamed and it, it, it's infected in some areas, but no, it's definitely, it's, it's still scabby in some spots. Um, mostly healed, but you know, we're, uh, we're almost there. I can't get it here. Yeah. Yeah. Still, still very scabby, but we're getting there. Um, I was hoping it would be over and done with by now, but, um, no, we're still very itchy. So it's the worst part. Yeah. I'm trying to like scratch the outside of it. Like you're not supposed bit. to scratch it. You're supposed to like tap it. Yeah. You're supposed to like pat it. And I've been doing that for the actual tattoo, but like my outer skin is getting irritated too. So I'm like scratching <laughs> around it type of deal. Like I keep, I keep going like this around it. Like, uh, you know, trying to get it. And then I'm actually like tapping the tattoo. And as we do it, I'm, it's, it's itching. I've been, fucking trying to withhold this entire episode because it's it's itchy as a mofo but um go just go to your your zen place and ignore it yeah i try i do my best and i've been pretty good about it i haven't actually scratched the actual tattoo the hardest part is so i'm like i i pick stuff a lot and there's all types of like little flakes all over it right now. And it's taking every ounce of my fucking being to leave them be. Yeah. 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 I, I have, I want to just scratch and pick and pull off every freaking part of this tattoo, but I'm, I'm maintaining. I feel like I'm doing a pretty damn good job. Seeing as I have scars all over my body from scabs that I picked, and it's completely my fault, because um, I I pick, I'm a picker, but um, I don't want this tattoo to look gross when it's healed, so I'm doing my best to not pick. But overall, we're doing good. By next week, I would think we're about healed for the most part. Just in time for beach season. Exactly. It's so funny with it being just like a jet black tattoo anytime. It's like if I'm driving and like the sun's coming through my truck or something and the sun hits my tattoo, I can feel like just the heat of it. You're like a solar panel. Yeah, pretty much. Feel yourself powering up. Yeah. My My toes get bigger by the second. Anyways, it's blackboxcages.com. <laughs> Steve Snakes are ready to check them out. We'll be back Monday night for Snakes and Stogies, episode 148. 149. I don't know. Yeah. Snakes and Stogies is catching up to THP. Yeah, I don't know how, but they are, I guess because you you skip me every few weeks and yeah, whatever. It's fine. It's cool. I don't care. I don't care. Okay. You sound like you care. No, you sound well, a little hurt. Well, I don't. So you you look a little hurt. Mm, no. Mm. Okay. All right. Well. Thank you, everybody. We will see y'all later.